Hey, Gary Rayburn. Hey, Dennis McKay. How's your mom and them? It's Dennis McKay, y'all, and uh, we are honored to be climbing in the cab with you today, and we're going to ride down that road and shift some gears, drink some coffee, and right. hear some good gospel word and gospel music today. That's right, Dennis. We got an awesome program today and some awesome music with a great message that the drivers need to hear. So let's get this show on the road. Hit that starter. <laughs> program for you. I know you're going to enjoy it today, and you're going to want to get more copies of this, so give us a call, 618-383-2107, or log on to lonesomeroad.org, or you can email me at gary.lonesomeroad at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now sit back, listen, and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you. Turning from town to town, there's so much I gotta see. I gotta look around. I got diesel smoke rolling from two chrome stacks. My address is 408 414, a big blue mag. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day. We're taking it out there on the highway this year. Yes, sir. And if you would like to get a hold of us, my phone number is 618-383-2107. Or you can call my partner, Dennis McKay. Area code 662-889-2829. All right. Well, we're going to have a great time and a great show. I think we ought to play a song for our friends out there on the road. And this is a song by our good friend, James Payne. And there's a song he's got called Smoking Gospel Grass. That's right. Yeah, and I know. Listen to the song and then we'll explain. <laughs> I know you never did smoke any of that. Uh, I played the field. <laughs> we better put on James Payne before we, we get ourselves in trouble. We might ought to. Here's Smoking Gospel Grass by James Payne. There's a white frame church outside of town Sunday night when the sun goes down Get out to fiddle and rosin the board Church starts rocking in the Holy Ghost Flat top guitar and the bright bass Playing every verse of amazing grace Joy of the Lord fills up the place When the bluegrass band begins to play Smoking gospel grass Playing every note like it will be their last Songs do songs so and fast Smoking gospel grass 
out there just love James Payne and he is such an awesome songwriter and singer and we're going to put on another song by James Payne and it goes along with this message that we have by Dr. David Gibbs today called A Real Love and James has got a song that he wrote called Love Always Leaves a Mark. So buckle up, hold on, and here we go. He's got a tattoo on his right arm Love dying in a big red heart But she's gone She tore his world apart He's trying to get on with his life But it's lonely days, neon nights Telling his troubles to everyone down at the bar how love always leaves a mark Love always leaves a mark Ask anyone with a broken heart Read the tattoo, see it in the scar Love always leaves a mark Love always leaves a mark God so loved this world that was lost He left bloodstains on a rugged cross As he hung there dying that day The sky grew dark On his back there were 39 stripes Nails in his hands, a spear in his side And his love for you and me Written in the scars Cause love always leaves a mark 
ask anyone with a broken heart Read the tattoos, see it in the scars Love always leaves a mark Love always leaves a mark Friends, and now we got that message for you by our speaker today, Dr. David Gibbs. And you can contact Dr. David Gibbs through his website, www.christianlaw.org. Here's Dr. David Gibbs. Turn in your Bibles tonight, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I married way over my head. How many of you men married way over your head? Hold your hand up. Let me just say this. If you didn't raise your hand, you have a major case of the stupids, all right? I mean, I tossed you a slow one right across the plate, man. If you can't hit that one. Let me say it again. How many of you men married way over your head? Hold you. There you go. There you got it. Get you. Fellow's driving out on the interstate and his phone rings, his cell phone, and he picks it up and it's his wife. His wife said, honey, honey, it's on the news right now. The chopper's got it on the evening news. There is a car, one car going the wrong way on the interstate. He said, honey, I'm there right now and it's not one car, it's hundreds of cars that are going the wrong way. <laughs> Have you ever spiritually felt like you're on the wrong way? I'm frightened in America right now because we've never been better organized. We've in truth never had greater assets and resources. We've never had more talent. And yet the truth is, it's not happening. We sing of changing this nation. We pray to change this nation. And yet the simple fact is, most of us are still sitting here hoping to see something. And I'm positive from what I've seen in America that what I'm about to preach on is for sure one of the keys that's undermined my life. Now, maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, well, David, my life is just full of power. I mean, my prayers are dynamic. They're answered by God. Brother Gibbs, everything I ask, God honors. Or maybe you'd come to me and you'd say, you know, I got a few more ducks to get in a row. Now, how many of you are still a work in progress? Hold your hand up, would you? In the Bible, God says that without faith, it is utterly and totally impossible for you to please him. Now that is an absolute declaration of God that will not change for eternity. Not one thing we can do causes God to smile unless there's faith in it. The truth is, every one of us has done many things that had no faith or even any faith thought in it. And yet God says, here's a foundation. 
Nobody does anything that causes me pleasure. Nothing pleases me if there's not faith at the foundation of everything. Faith was how you got saved. For by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. Boy, when you talk about faith, that with all due respect is the currency heaven deals with. And when you say, boy, I want God to bless me. I want God to use me. I want God to help me. Faith is for sure a key in that. But God says as critical as faith is, and it cannot be overstated. There's one thing more important. There's one thing that matters more to God than faith. And I fear this one thing is what has begun to erode. Read with me 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. The scripture says, and now abideth faith. Boy, there's that incredible commodity with which we don't have it. There's no pleasure before God at all. And now by the faith, hope, boy, there's that first cousin of faith. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. No hope, no faith. That's why the devil wants to drain the hope out of us. Because when the hope is gone, Brother Barton, the faith is gone. No one is a man of great faith who isn't a man or a woman of great hope. He says, now abides faith, hope. And then he uses the word charity, and you know that means love. Now abide faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is, say out loud the next word, charity. God says there's something that matters more to me than faith. And that's charity. In the days in which the scriptures were written, and I beg you, listen carefully for the next few moments. Because we're living in a society and now in a church that is massively confused on what charity is. In the day in which the Bible was written, there were three words, all of which were translated love. The first word that was used in the day the scriptures were written was the word eros, E-R-O-S. And this is a wonderful word because it's a very special kind of love. And by the way, it's the love word that the world recognizes. From the word eris, we get the word erotic. The word eris means a sensual, a feeling. It's that tingle kind of love. A young man sees a young lady and he says, I think I am fallen in love. And you say, what makes you think that? Oh, the feelings I have. That's that. How many of y'all remember when you heiress? Hold your hand up. Well, yeah, yeah. Sure. This word is not always bad. It's a, a wonderful kind of love, but that word is never one time used in the Bible. Never one time did God use that word. Now, when the world says love, that's what they think of, that, that feeling, those senses. The husband says, well, I'm going to leave my wife because I don't love her anymore. What do you mean you don't love her anymore? 
Well, I don't have those feelings anymore. Listen, never one time did God use that word. When he said, husbands, love your wives, he didn't use that word. When it says God so loved the world, he did not use that word. That word's not found in scripture. Now that sensey, tingly, physical kind of love is, is delightful and sometimes absolutely adorable. Have you ever seen when a new baby comes to church and, and all the, the moms and everybody get around it and they say, show us the baby, show us the baby. And everybody says, oh, how gorgeous, how, oh, I love her. You know what you're feeling? You're feeling heiress. You're feeling those senses. It's not a bad word. But an unsaved person can heiress. A saved person can heiress. And never one time did God in his holy word use that word. There's a second word that was translated love. Number one was heiress. Number two was the word filio. P-H-I-L-E-O. We get the word philanthropic from this word. It's the love of a nice person. It's a character-based kind of love. Have you ever known somebody who's not saved? They don't make any pretense of being saved. They do not know Jesus, but they're just a nice person. And you say, what a nice person. What a loving man. What a loving woman. You know what you're talking about? They are filioing. It's the love of a nice, charactered person. In church, we'd be thrilled if most people just filioed. If they'd just be nice. I'd be thrilled if all the preachers filioed. My good. Now, do you understand? An unsaved person can heiress, and an unsaved person can filio. And when God says there's something greater than faith, it wasn't heiress, and it wasn't filio. A mom sits up all night with a sick child. And you say, my, how that mother loves that child. That's filio. You say, why does that mom do it? For the same reason that a dad who was up with that sick child all night, the next morning with no sleep, got out of bed and went to work hurting. He loves that child. And there's a character there. And that's filio. It's a powerful love. But that's not what God commands. God never commanded you and I to heiress. He never commanded us to filio. There's a third word for love. And this is the word that God created. And while an unsaved person can heiress and an unsaved person can filio, you got to be saved to do this third love. It's the word agape, A-G-A-P-E. Because you see, this is a love authored and birthed by God. It's not a nice person. It's God in a person. It's a love where God channels it through that person. And God says, I am commanding you to agape. Show this world, show my people my love. Not a sensual love, not a nice person love, 
but the love of God. If I were to ask you last week, I'm at zero to ten scale with zero not being good and ten being what God would have. How did you agape? Well, you say, David, the truth is I didn't even much think about it. Well, I have a frightening thing to tell you. No one agapes by accident. It's a decision. That's why when Paul wrote to the Colossian church, he said, and above all these things, he said, I want you to put on agape. He said, I want this decision to be made. No one just gets it in the night. You won't one morning roll out of bed and say, well, will you look at that? I'm agapeing. <laughs> it takes a decision. Now, God says some frightening things to his people. This passage we're reading was not addressed to the lost. It was addressed to the believer. And we're going to read the first three verses of this passage because to me, they're frightening. God says, if you don't show this world my love, if you're not agapeing, he said, I want to warn you of some things. Chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, that's agape is the word there. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not agape, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal was what businessmen did in the marketplace when they wanted to get your attention. They produced the most irritating noise imaginable. Because above everybody else bidding for your attention, they wanted to capture you over all that clamor and all that noise. And so they would make these super, super irritating noises so you'd look their way. And those noises were called sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. I want to paraphrase. God says, if you're not agapeing, you are nothing but an irritating noise. Whoa. David, how come the world treats our message like it's so irritating? And then we turn around and take pride that it's irritating. Well, they just can't take a strict truth. You know what God said? If David Gibbs isn't agapeing, his message is an irritating noise. If Greater Vision isn't agapeing, their singing is an irritating noise. I wonder, have you ever been in your car and you're sitting at a stoplight and a car pulls up to you? And in that car next to you, there is this hyper irritating noise going on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it goes through their frame, through their tires, into the pavement, across the pavement, up through your tires, through your frame, and into your backside. And how many of you ever felt the vibrations, right? I mean, yeah. And how many of you ever sat there and said, that is irritating? You know what? That's you and that's me. have this love, we are an irritating noise. Look at the second warning he gives. And by the way, mom and dad, God says, if you're not agapeing at home, by our kids, a terrifying statistics, Fundamental Bible-believing churches are losing 70% of our kids. 
How can that happen? Well, I'll tell you one thing, irritating noise will put them to flight in a heartbeat. Look at the second warning, verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, can you imagine? All mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith. Now, remember what God said, faith the size of a grain of mustard seed will move a mountain. Can you imagine, God says, forget the mustard seed, if you've got all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not agape charity, say out loud the next three words. I am nothing. My goodness, nothing. Where I live in Florida is uncommonly flat. Highest point in our state is 140 feet. Average height is 13 feet above sea level. And I think it would be nice if we had some of your mountains down there. So can you imagine if I said, when I dismiss tonight, I'll be going outside and moving a mountain range, if you'd like to watch. <laughs> and I walked outside and said, now! it's gone. And Orlando has a new attraction. <laughs> How many of you would be amazed if I did that? Hold your hand up. I know I would be. <laughs> you know what God says? If David gives that, does that, and he's not agapeing, he's nothing. Nothing. I wonder when we stand before the Lord, how much God's going to say, yep, you thought you did a lot. <laughs> and it was nothing. Nothing. Look at the third warning. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Now, I know people who've given greatly. But here's all. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not agape charity, it profiteth me, say out loud the last word, nothing. You know what I'm afraid, Brother Ralph? There's been a heap of people who've given, who when we get to heaven, we're going to say, and God's going to say, there was no agape. And it profited you nothing. Tonight, I beg you, in the heritage of this man, but for sure in light of Scripture, America's greatest need is to see some Christians who know how to love, who know how to agape. Now, that does not mean that we compromise the truth of this book. That doesn't mean that we lay down and forget and fail to contend for the faith. But it means we contend while we are agapeing. Now, so that no one is confused about what agape is, God gives 10 benchmarks. They're in the next few verses. I want to submit to you, everyone should memorize this passage. I require everyone in our ministry to memorize this. Because absent these benchmarks, we're not agapeing. He says, this agape, charity, suffereth long. Now, circle the word long. It's written in the continuum. Uh, we don't do this in our language, but in the language of that day, you could put it in a tense where you said it once, but everyone understood it was to be said infinitely. So God says it suffereth long, 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 and you'd never, you can't wear it out. How quick does something wear you out? You can't wear agape out.
You say, now, wait a minute, David, get real. I can't do that. You're right. That's why it takes the love of God in you. You can wear Eris out. You can wear Filio out. You can't wear Agape out. That's it. I've had it. I'm not putting up with that. Those words should never come if you're agapeing. And remember, agape is a command. This is not a desirable extra. God says, I command you to agape. How many of you remember Lester Roloff? Hold your hand up, will you? We're in a trial. And the lawyer on the other side is one of the nastiest, meanest, smartest, most devious, wicked people I've ever met. His goal in life is to put Lester Roloff in prison and destroy his ministry. And you didn't have to wonder because he would say it. He would say, I will not sleep till that preacher is in prison. And he said, it's my goal in life. To do that. This lawyer and I did not get along. As close as I've ever come to hitting anybody, I almost took a swing at him one day. In court, every time he'd pass behind us, he would swear the most vulgar things imaginable at the pastor. I don't mean just profane. I mean vulgar and... And then when I'd go tell the judge, he'd swear he didn't. One day he walked by and swore and I stood up and I said, you ever swear at him again? You, I promise, are going to brush your teeth out the back of your neck. Because I'm going to put them there. He looked at me and he said, you wouldn't. I said, I promise you I would. I said, I'll get put in jail and it'll be worth every bit of it. (laughs) This guy got me. How many of you ever had somebody get you? Hold your hand up. I mean, just. I found myself thinking about how to do him harm. And then I'd say, have you ever said that? How many of you ever said, I really shouldn't think like that? How many of y'all have ever said that? And then you thought of it some more, right? I mean, it just, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. The trial went on forever. We're in court going into the 40th day. And I told Brother Roloff, I said, I'll meet you up in court in the morning. I want to go through some things. I want you to practice some things on the stand. I said, trial doesn't start till 10 o'clock. I'll meet you at 8 o'clock. And boy, at 8 o'clock, he met me at the courtroom. We walked up there. And when we walked in, little did I know my life was about to be changed. Because I not only had the idea to come early, Mr. Wicked Mouth had the idea to come early. I mean, this guy is the devil's cousin. When I saw him, it just upset me. I walked in the courtroom, I had a big stack of books. I let them hit the table. Big, tall ceiling courtroom. That noise bounced and echoed around. And I looked at that lawyer and I said, Brother Roloff, there's something that stinks in this room. There's a stench that's putrid. Let's leave. That's what I said. Lester Roloff touched my arm. And he said, David, you're going nowhere with God like that. With that, he left me and he walked across this courtroom and came to this man who's trying to destroy him. These are the people who turned him into the IRS. These are the people who brought him. Well, they did everything to cause him harm. He walked up to this man, and here's what he said almost verbatim. 
He said, I want you to know that I love you. This lawyer stood up and he said, you love me. He said, I want you to know I really do. He said, and the cry of my heart is that you'd get saved. Now, I'm standing over here watching this. And I'm like, I don't want him to get saved. (laughs) He gets saved, he'll be in heaven. It'll wreck it for me. I'm telling you right now, I do not want him in heaven. I mean, that man is a sinner. How many of you understand that's all that's going to be in heaven is sinners saved by grace? He reached out and he hugged the guy. And then Brother Roloff started to cry and he said, I know you want to hurt me. But he said, you're like Paul. You're tearing us up. Just like Paul tore the church up. And he said, if you get saved, you could do something great for God. He said, I'm loving you. That lawyer went to pieces. He said, I, 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 I. I never heard anybody stumble for 60 seconds looking for a word. He said, well, I, 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 you want to see God do something. Unleash his love on your family. Unleash his love on this nation. Court started at 10 o'clock. The judge walked in. Judge turned to us. He said, Mr. Gibbs, you're ready to proceed. I said, Your Honor, we're ready. He turned to the other lawyer. He said, You're ready to proceed? And he stood up and he said, No, Your Honor, I'm not. He said, What's the matter? He said, My heart isn't in this anymore. Those were his words. The judge says, you mean you got heartburn or something? What's the matter? That's what he said. He said, no, I don't have any heartburn. But he said, my heart is not in this. You see, God's love is what he used to reach you. God's love is what God used to change things through the centuries. And now we're trying to do it without it. And God says, if you don't have it, you're nothing but an irritating noise. If you don't have it, it profits you nothing, no matter what you do. Build that new auditorium. It will profit nothing without this love. He says, without this love, you're a nothing in God's hands. Because this love is what enables God to use you. You see, I wanted God to use me like I was. We all want God's power. We don't want God's interference. And God says, I want to, through that love, change everything. Look at the next thing he says about this love. You can't wear it out, and it's kind. It amazes me when I talk to Christians and I ask them, does the Bible command us to be kind? How many Christians say, no, not really. You probably would be kind if you did everything the Bible does command us. That's not true. The Bible commands us to be kind. I wonder if you can say, I am world class at kindness. No one is any better of a Christian than they are kind. And I wonder if you can say, man, I am, by God's grace, world-class kind. If you are agapeing, you will be world-class kind. 
I wonder if you can say, boy, today was I kind. This past week, was I ever kind? Oh, you say, David, if I was kind all the time, you know, our home would be like Christian. That's right. You see, we've forgotten kindness isn't something we're to do now and then. Kindness is to be us. Are you kind? Father, forgive us. Forgive me. It's so easy to work hard, to work diligent, to work tirelessly, but not love. from God? 
Would you like to get closer to God than you've ever been? It's as simple as saying a little prayer, asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart, asking Jesus Christ to fire you back up like you was when you first got saved. Whatever the situation is with you right now, we want to pray with you. All you got to do is pray a simple little prayer. It can be as simple as, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I want to do more. I want to be everything that you've called me to be. Take out my stony heart and give me a brand new heart. I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Friends, if you prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then we want you to give us a call. Our phone number is 618-383-2107, and we're going to end today's program like we end most of our programs. That's with my testimony in song that I wrote with the help of my songwriting partner, Tom Caldwell. And now we've got a new songwriting partner, Dennis McKay, and he has helped us with this song and brought it up to a new level. Here's Dennis McKay with at the foot of the tree. At the crossroads of life Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track 
preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Rolling down that old lonesome road And I shared the good news Wherever I go Yes, there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be And I tell everybody What's happened to me How I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past But I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus Foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Rolling down that Easter Seaboard I got my diesel turned up And she running like never before Well, there's a speed zone ahead, all right But I don't see a cop in sight Six days on the road And I'm gonna make it on tonight I got me ten forward gears And a Georgia overdrive no pills cause my eyes are open wide I just passed the Volvo and a white I've been passing everything inside Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight I'll take it home
down the line I'm a little overweight and my law boots way behind Nothing bothers me tonight I can dodge all the scales alright Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight Well, my rig's a little low, but that don't mean she's slow There's a flame from a stack and the smoke's blowing black as coal Well, my hometowns are coming in sight And if you think I'm happy, you're right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight Yeah, mama. Yeah.